For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings so we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 101 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. Yes, he is. And we're back to talk some Star Wars, and we've actually got some Star Wars to talk about. Star Wars finds a way. Uh, before we get into all of that, let me give you guys the business. Woo! Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. Email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. And you can buy our shirts and whatnot on TeePublic at tpublic.com slash user slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Will, did you know that we're part of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network along with such other titans of podcasting such as now this is podcasting steel wars rebel girl cantina cast idiots array rogue one i'm well aware and i cannot tell you how excited i am that we are part of that family i am so proud to be part of that family i got that family of podcasts back like a backpack all righty so um before we get into the news this week, I have a couple of things I'd like to address. First off, Spreadgate. Have you seen Spreadgate on Twitter recently? Will, I actually forgot to bring this up last week. I it, we I thought we talked about it about we did. Her just having massive, <coughs> you know, reach in the hands, stretchy hands. Yeah, stretchy. yeah. Well, in response to that, there's there's been more. Oh my goodness. Our great listeners have been joining in on the Spreadgate fun and posting pictures of their hand spreads. King Tom got in on it. Rebecca and Emily got in on it. Our buddy Justin got in on it. All I'm going to say is, apparently, 
I just now realize that my hands are all fucked up and I can't spread them like a normal human. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. Either that or our listeners, there's a, a, a hefty portion of our listeners that are fucking Jedi candidates. And that's how you tell is by the spread of their hand. Maybe there's just genetics out there for people that are really good swimmers. You know, they can spread those hands out. I'm a pretty good swimmer. I'm not going to lie. Like, I could swim like a goddamn merman or some shit. I even, like, wrap my ankles together like a merman. Like a fucking frog. You know, that, frog. that thought in my brain, merman haws. I like, I like where this is going. I hate I can see you with a fishy bottom and a burly, you know, fishy bottom, burly, Ugh. burly chest. You know why I would fucking hate being a merman? Why? Underwater. I hate, I don't hate, I am fucking terrified of large underwater creatures. Oh man, I, the word, there's like, it's like thalassophobia or something that I, you know, it's something close to like to that, but the fear of large underwater spaces you know fear of what you can't see like yeah i don't like that either yeah but the reason i don't like that is because of large underwater creatures giant squids sharks i think whales are awesome i would never want to be in the water with a whale yeah like how i am about like tigers and bears and lions and lions oh and tigers and bears oh my yeah. i am the exact opposite of fucking water creatures dolphins don't really freak me out that bad? Like, I would swim with dolphins in a... I think dolphins are super intelligent. I think they're the next step down in evolutionary intelligence. Like, in a controlled circumstance, I would swim with dolphins. I wouldn't just, like, jump off of a boat in the ocean with a bunch of dolphins. With your luck, you'd get the Randy dolphin that, yeah. that wanted to uh, make love. Yeah. Make oh love my to your, God. Bottom, your fish bottom. And everybody's like, you swam with dolphins on your vacation. How was it? And I'll be like, I got a dolphin dick in my butt. How do you think it was? Fucking horrible. Horrible. I know what you mean, though, because, you know, mankind has dominance on land. You know, we're we're the top of the food chain. And basically because of our brain and our ability to use tools and tactics, um, that's what that's what asserts our superiority over animals, uh, not necessarily physical strength, because, you know, physical strength we we can't match some of those animals but between tactics and tools we come out on top but none of that is relevant when you're floating in the water like you the second you go into the ocean you are no longer the top of the food chain you're just not you can't fight a shark you couldn't fight a giant octopus if a whale wanted to sink you or slap you with its tail or eat you <coughs> and swallow you there's mm -hmm. nothing you could do like there's no defending yourself versus nature in the water. I mean, you're just not equipped for that. So I think that's that's a, health, a healthy fear. Yeah, and, and like, yeah, I don't fuck with... Like, I don't know if this is... It, I know for a fact it sort of originated with seeing Jaws when I was really young. Mm -hmm. Just like I know my fear of clowns originated from seeing the made-for-TV movie It. When I was really young, but... What do you think? Well, okay, keep going. I think that's where both of those sort of came from. Like, I, I there's the three things that, that freak me out the most, spiders, large underwater animals, and clowns, I can all trace back to a very specific incident that has well, horrified me. in your defense, 
I, I, again, I'll say this. I think evolutionarily, some of those fears are realistic. Those that's, you know, fear of fear of spiders. You know, we had to learn that, you know, through many deaths, poisonous spiders are awful. And so are poisonous snakes. So fears of spiders and snakes is rational. Fears of large, you know, large cats, large, ferocious cats and bears like that's I mean, those are legitimate fears. They can kill you. You know, fear of the ocean and things you can't see like those are legitimate um, fear of clowns. I, I don't know how legitimate that is, but I know that the clown in our recent years has been more a tool of terror than the laughter of children. So this is the thing. Like if if a giant spider walked up on the table I'm recording on right now, I would scream and like like my, it's like my body shuts down. Like I know this yeah. doesn't make me sound like the most macho cool guy, but I fucking hate spiders, bro. Oh, I know. You, you know, know that, I mean, I know. You've seen it. Um, firsthand. If if I was swimming in a lake in a giant or not a lake, in the ocean, and a giant shark swam next to me or under me or anywhere around me, same thing would happen. If I saw a clown, it wouldn't do the same thing. I just don't like them. It is definitely the lesser of the three. I just don't right. like clowns. I'm like, nah, man, I'm not down to clown. He's not clowning around. I don't clown around. But, um, but yeah, man, uh, how did we even get started on this tangent already? That's all right. Off on That's a all right. I will say, what do you think of them redoing it? Oh, I think it looks great. I'm so see. That's the thing. Like with clowns, and especially it, it is one of my favorite books of all time. And I really, I wouldn't say the you know the old uh, made-for-TV movie is one of my favorites of all time, but I like it. And uh, I'm really stoked on this new movie. I will it be going the, to see it. It was the Tim Curry, right? Yeah, Tim Curry yeah. was the clown. This, um, I mean, this looks scary. Yeah, it looks scary. I like that, uh, you know, well, have you ever read the book, It? I don't believe I have. Mm -hmm. I've had it explained to me. Okay. So the book is kind of split into two different stories. The story of them as kids and the story of them as as adults dealing with Pennywise. Um, And the movie is actually going to be two movies. The first one is just going to be them as the kids. The second one is going to be them as adults. I think that's a really good idea instead of trying to cram it all into one movie. I think that's a good idea, too. Uh, speaking of remakes or things coming back that I was fond of as a kid, I had two excellent days as far as Netflix announcements. Back to back. Um, did you hear that they announced that there's a Dark Crystal miniseries coming to Netflix? No. Are you yes. kidding me? And uh, from what I understand, an eight-episode miniseries, it's a prequel. Jim Henson Company is putting it on. In the, It wasn't a trailer as much as it was an announcement video that they put out. They show the creature shop working on all the puppets. It's going to be puppets augmented by CGI. So think that's about good. think about Uncar Plutt in The Force Awakens. I think that's a good example where... You know, it was Simon Pegg in a suit, but they used CG to animate the face and stuff. Yeah. I think it may be something similar uh, with this. Um, I mean, those puppets were such good quality in the Dark Crystal. Like, I thought they were great. You know, but I know that's pretty retro. Yeah, and I, I mean, the thing is, is they could 
you don't want it to look exactly like the original. No. You want it to be updated a little bit. It, there is such thing as going a little too retro with it, but I'm really stoked that they are doing There's puppets and stuff. There's a lot of potential stuff. there for that story. And it's it's weird because for the longest time, you know, uh, Gindy or Jindy Taratoski, the guy that did the Clone Wars micro series. Yeah, and Samurai Jack. Yeah, he was in the in production of a Dark Crystal sequel movie. Really? That never ended up materializing. Um, so it's interesting that we're getting this, but it's not the sequel. It's it's a prequel, from what I understand. Um, no release date. All it says is that it's just coming soon. So, I know that this is random, but, like, you know, as a diss towards somebody that I did not like or I found you know, gross in appearance, I would use the term skexy. And I think you're the only <laughs> other person that ever got that. Like, <laughs> that, that asshole skexy looking <clears throat> motherfucker. We kind of had a roommate that was a bit skexy. Uh, the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance is what it's called. Ooh, nice. And it looks cool. Uh, and secondly, the day before they announced that, they announced that they're doing a Netflix series on the witcher yeah i saw that one and got super stoked yeah i'm i'm excited about the prospect it makes me wonder though because i've heard all of the um books are pretty good but i've never read any of the books myself and from what i understand the three witcher games are actually like sequels to those books they don't cover any of the book material, they take place like a pretty good bit afterwards. So, um, I, I like the concept of a witcher. I do too. And how that comes about. Um, <clears throat> I also really like the inclusion of Polish and sort of Scandinavian lore in those games and in those storylines because something about that's very awesome. You know, yeah, I, well. You know, it's interesting because a lot of their sort of like fairy tale based stuff lines up pretty closely with our myths and fairy tales, but where they diverge off and have different names and different yeah. concepts uh, like attributed to them, it just right. makes it really new. Like I'm sure to to people that live in those areas, it's old hat, right? You know, for lack of a better term, but to us, it right. seems all fresh and new. Um, and I and I think. You know, I, I, t I told you this when we talked about it, but I think Netflix has done a lot for bringing, you know, Polish, Scandinavian, Norwegian film, cinema to the, to the forefront of people's attention. You know, because I, 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 I'm, I consider myself like, I guess the term is a cinematophile. I don't know. I really like cinema of all international types. I like you know, Japanese cinema and, and foreign films. I, I'm one of those dudes that can watch a foreign film. And some of them are really good. Some of them are not so good. But you have to give it the chance. You know, you have to weed through the shit. You have to watch it. But uh, Netflix is what really one of those avenues that allowed me to do that. Because other than that, you've got to wait for something to come on the Sundance channel or you got to rent something from the library. And, you know, in my life, those aren't things that you come across very often. So to be to have access to Netflix and all the different cinema from around the world 
is really kind of interesting, and I, I think that's an appropriate avenue for The Witcher to kind of come come to light. Yeah, totally. Um, a good example of that, like I definitely, I mean, it has to be in a genre that I'm interested in for me to get for me to check it out. Um, a good example of that would be the movie Troll Hunter. Have you ever seen that? Yes, incredible, great and movie. I, I believe that's Norwegian. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, that's Norwegian, but it's a it's a really well done found footage movie about a troll hunter. And I don't want to give away. It's weird. It's funny. It's a little scary. It's definitely not like a horror movie that'll keep you up at night. No, no. Suspense, not horror. You know. Yeah, but it definitely one I, I suggest people take a, a look at. It's it's really entertaining. Um, but yeah, to me. The Witcher series has been one of those rare video game series that only gets better with each iteration. The right. first one is, at the time, I'm sure, I never played the first one until after I played the second one and fell in love with it. And then I went and got the first one on Steam and played through it. It is rough, mechanically and graphically in some points. But the story's good, and like the core of sort of the Witcher series is there. Two, I felt like really ramped that up and polished a lot of that. And then I have no problem saying that The Witcher 3 is probably the best game I've played of this current generation of video Brought games. It home. I mean, a masterstroke in pretty much every regard as far as graphics, as far as writing. As far as gameplay, it's not an easy game. It's it's a game that's that's that was what gonna that's gonna be what I was about to say. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I I'll I'll say after you finish. It's a game that's not even easy to pick up, but if you put the time into it and and really dig deep and and sort of try to master it, it is very worthwhile. To me, it's not as hard as say like a Dark Souls game or something like that. But right. it can still be kind of difficult. And that's exactly what I was going to say was that the the thing it reminds me of is Demon Souls because you know, you let me play your copy of Demon Souls on PlayStation, I believe. Yeah, PlayStation 3. I had not played a game that hard probably since Super Nintendo. You know, NES or Super Nintendo, and I could not believe at how difficult that combat was and how on point and how I needed to memorize every character's, you know, attack patterns and couldn't take damage for shit. Like, and I'd better be dodging or blocking or, you know, I, I, I just had to be so on it with the combat in that game. And now, you know, everybody's talked about dark souls three and I haven't had a chance to play any of the dark souls, but I, I hear it's good. It, it's challenging, but maybe not as challenging as demon souls. Um, the Witcher three, it, is the next step down from complicated combat. Like I haven't played a game that complicated in combat since Demon Souls. And uh while Demon Souls is incredibly exponentially <laughs> harder, but the um the thing about the Witcher is like it, you better be on your shit. You had better be watching what you're doing and you know every licking counts. But uh, I mean as far as lore and and story and all that stuff go like the witcher is killer in all that aspects and the fact that the combat is so challenging makes it one of those things you want to master yeah yeah so uh 
Yeah, that could be pretty exciting. Like I said, being such a fan of the games and not having read the books, the people behind the games have nothing to do with the show. and But the author of the books does. So, you know, maybe it'll be some happy middle ground. We'll yeah. have to see. Um, but I'm stoked about it. The Witcher 3 oh is, is the game that I still hold up as the example of what I want from a Star Wars game. And that's pretty involved. Yeah. I'm talking about hours of enrichment. Oh, yeah. I mean, not counting expansions and stuff to The Witcher 3, easily over 100 hours of playtime if, if you really dig into it. So there's uh, definitely a lot to do. So do you want to talk some uh, some Star Wars news? By all means. So... I'll let you pick what we go with first. We've got some leaked Han Solo set pictures that TMZ released today. And we've got a Japanese promotional leaflet. Let's do the Japanese promotional leaflet. Okay. And we'll finish it up with the Han Solo. All right. So, this week, I guess this was just some sort of promotional leaflet that was being given out in Japanese theaters to promote uh, The Last Jedi. And if I'm not mistaken, the first site to sort of put up the translated version of that was Star Wars Newsnet. And it definitely spread like wildfire. Um, As Star Wars News will do on the internet. Right. Uh, and this is what the rough translation of it comes out to be. The most shocking truth in Star Wars history will soon be revealed. A new generation's tale of the struggles of light and dark, virtue and evil has begun with the death of Han Solo. In a galaxy where First Order and the Resistance are fighting each other in a war, the heroine, or heroine, Rey, had the Force awaken within her. What will happen to the galaxy when Rey and the only remaining Jedi Knight, Luke Skywalker, meet? Kylo Ren has fallen to the dark side of the Force and killed his father, Han Solo. As his successor, successor, of his grandfather, Darth Vader, and a high-ranking enforcer in the First Order, where will his ambition lead him to? Furthermore, Kylo Ren's mother, the leader of the Resistance, Rey, Poe, Finn, and BB-8 will embark on a new mission. The story has finally begun, and it will lead to a mysterious climax. December 15th, be ready for the shocking truth surpassing the previous stories. Interesting. Right? I mean, I'm fascinated. I want to know what that shocking truth is. I'm sure it'll blow my mind when we see it. Um, so, but what, go ahead. I was going to say, now, while I think it's probably pretty safe to assume that there will be some shocking and revealing things laid out in the force or in the last Jedi. I don't know that this is anything more than just like promotional hype. Okay. Okay. Cause that's what I was wondering. I was like, I don't know if you can get any more shocking than Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father, you know, and Leia and Leia and Luke are brother and sister. Right. And, the the other thing about this is is apparently I've been doing some reading up on this and there's you know this is a rough translation and 
there are definitely things that can be lost in translation when translating from Japanese to English. And it's definitely not like a one-to-one translation. So, you know, there could also be some things sort of... (laughs) Ultra super moving mega story. Right. You know what I mean? There could be some things sort of lost and and that didn't carry over correctly. Now, now that we've got that out of the way, let's have a little fun with it. Let's say that there is the most shocking truth in Star Wars history to be revealed and that it will that it will surpass the previous stories okay what candidate what, what, what do you think it could even be like i don't mean like the end like the actual reveal but what do you think it could per- pertain to i know this is going to seem really out there and really crazy but to me the only way that you could surpass you know, the only way that you could blow the lid off that hardcore would be, <coughs> I mean, surrounding Snoke. For Snoke to be Darth Plagueis. Or for Snoke to be Luke Skywalker. You know, like, that. that's the only way I think it could get crazy. And it, not that I would enjoy either of those options, but you're talking about more jaw-dropping than the, all the other Star Wars? Like, it's gonna, you know... Chewbacca is Snoke. You know, I don't know. Like, it it would have to come way out of left field for me. So I definitely feel like Snoke is a candidate for what this reveal could be like. When you think about the questions you were left with after The Force Awakens, right? There's Snoke, there's Rey's parents, and there's what the fuck happened with Luke Skywalker. Yeah, those are the... Yeah, that's pretty much it. So... You know, Ray's parents are probably the most obvious one. And if it's so, I don't know that if it was Luke, if you would necessarily consider it shocking. I know at this point, if they were like, yo, Luke is Ray's dad, I don't know that I would find it shocking. I'd be like, well, I'll be damned. They did that. But shocking. Now, granted, this leaflet is not necessarily meant to promote the movie to dudes like us that have watched The Force Awakens so many times and have a Star Wars podcast and st- talk about Star Wars. watch the trailers frame by frame. Right, right. So if it's meant more for the general public, maybe it would be considered shocking. Now, to me, if you're talking shocking and more shocking than any previous Star Wars movie, that makes me think you got to go something weird. Like weird and, and off the wall with the Ray Parents thing. And that's not necessarily about Ray, but as the movie, the movie in general, I'm getting like this very vague sense that it's going to be a little weird, not in a bad way, but you know, if you can compare Empire Strikes Back to A New Hope, it's kind of a weird movie comparatively. Like there's a lot of time spent in the mysticism and training of the force and Yoda and Dagobah. It definitely looks like we're getting some parallels with that in The Last Jedi. And it may have to deal with the nature of the Force, the nature of the balance of the Force. That's, that is also something I didn't even consider. That's a good point. That's a really good point, buddy. Like, Especially when we get the imagery we get in the trailer and Luke saying, I only know one truth, the Jedi must end. Right. Um, 
That's a good point. Mm. Now, well, and that kind of ties in with the other thing I was saying. It could be Luke-related. Like, think about in A New Hope, we have someone briefly lay out the backstory of what happened before in in Obi-Wan. He says, Darth Vader was a pupil of mine who was seduced to the dark side, and he, you know, betrayed and murdered the entire Jedi Order, basically. Paraphrasing what Obi-Wan says. Then in in episodes five and six, we get the real story, you know? It, it, it takes that original statement you get from Obi-Wan and twists it and adds other elements until you get something completely different. Right. In The Force Awakens, Han does the same thing Obi-Wan does. He says, you know, Luke started a new Jedi Order until a student of his, a boy, betrayed and murdered everybody. And then Luke went missing. Are we in for some sort of reveal about what happened there that is going to shock us? And if we are, what could it be? I don't, I still don't think that they're going to paint Luke in some sort of terrible light where we're going to be like, Luke, that was fucked up. How could you do that? Like, I, I, I think Luke is going to be, you know, troubled and damaged in The Force Awakens, but I don't think they're ever going to turn Luke Skywalker into someone we view as a bad person. You can't make him the villain because people have been pulling for Luke Skywalker since episode four. Well, yeah, and I don't even mean necessarily make him a villain. Like, just have him... Or even an anti-hero, you know? I mean, like... I'm not even I'm, talking I'm in those... I'm agreeing with what you're saying. Yeah, I'm not even talking in those terms. Like, you know, Batman can do something fucked up where you're like, damn, Batman, you went too far there, bro. But he's still yeah. Batman, and he's still a good guy. I don't really see them doing something where Luke did something fucked up in between Jedi and The Force Awakens where... I don't know. I don't know, man. There's just so... You know, I tried to lay it out and say there's only three questions out there, but there's really not. There's so much more. But yeah, I, I think the three candidates or four candidates would be Snoke, Ray, Luke, and something bigger, more mystical dealing with the Force. Yeah. Who knows, buddy? And if then, you're going to blow my mind, those are the four ways that I only really think you could blow it. Yeah, because, like, you know, it's not like... Um, it's not like they would... I don't know. And, and like I said, at the end of the day, it could just be pr promotional hyperbole. Right. You know? It could just end up being... That, I don't know. Finn, Finn being Lando's long lost son, kidnapped son. You know, like that wouldn't really blow my mind. But that would be I neat that or would... sad. But see, I I think it would be lame. Like, why do you got to make, you know, why why you got to tie the two black characters right. and Star Wars together? Right. I don't think there's any need for that. So I don't. I don't either. Like I'm saying, you know, I'm just giving examples of. Oh, I see. Which well, yeah, things. And Things that they might call mind blowing that I'd be like, peh. No, yeah. I mean, I I think I would be be beyond peh if like if uh, 
you know, there's a scene in episode eight where like Finn is hanging out and they're like, uh, Lando Calrissian, a uh, former general of the rebellion has shown up and he's going to be, uh, showing up to lend his support. And Lando comes in and he's like, Finn, you're my boy. <laughs> I would be so fuck. I don't know that pissed would be the right term, but I'd be way bummed. I'd be like, that's fucking lame guys. Don't do that. Um, You'd walk out just to come see it again the next day. You'd, you'd be like, I yeah, oh yeah. one day. And then four months later, while we're recording a podcast, I'd be like, now see, here's the thing. This is why it's cool that Finn is Lando's son, okay? <laughs> yeah. This is why it's neat. All right, guys, just hear me out, all right? Like us on Facebook. All right, so, uh, yeah, that's a... Japanese leaflet for you guys. I'll tell you the one thing that came to mind while while we were discussing this, you know, they must have kept Darth Vader's flip to the light side at the end. Very hush-hush. And that line in there about, you know, uh, Kylo Ren taking his grandfather's place. Like, why does, you know, why does Anakin not get credit for saving the day here or flipping to the good side in the end? Like, uh and I don't, you know, you've read some of those aftermath books, and wasn't there something in there about Leia not telling anybody that Vader was her father? So that's not even in aftermath. That's in Bloodline, which is okay. thus far my favorite of the um, the new canon books. And you're right; they don't mention that at all. Like she, the only people that seem to know are like the core group, like Han knows, obviously Luke knows they never tell Kylo and it's implied that Kylo finds out when the rest of the galaxy finds out, which may end up playing part of the part of the role in him turning to the dark side. I don't want that to be the only thing that flips him to the dark side though. I was about to say like, you know, talk about a way to destroy some of that negative Vader legacy. You know, let everybody know that he was redemptive and, you know, flipped in the end. Now, I can't remember if they address that specifically. They might. But when it comes out, like, you got to think, like, are you, the the um, when that comes out, the galaxy immediately starts questioning Leia and Luke. And, I'm sure. Like, if Luke Skywalker just pimps up and tries to tell the senate hey like i know darth vader was a tyrant and he was an evil person and he's responsible for countless deaths and countless amount of you know unfathomable amounts of uh misery but trust me guys he became a good guy at the end he saved my life and and, the, and, and killed the emperor like killed the emperor people probably wouldn't really buy that when you Maybe think that about bullshit it. luke skywalker bullshit. right so you can see why Leia and and everybody wanted. I can to keep it see hush why up. to the public it was hush hush, but like, I feel like that information could have helped assuage some of Ben Solo's rebelliousness and reverence for his grandfather's power. Now there is another thing. So in the Force Awakens novelization, right? Now, this gets into sticky a sticky area because it's always interesting trying to figure out how much of the stuff in the novelizations that don't make it to screen are considered canon. And from what I understand, and I could be wrong about this, the way Pablo describes it is 
the movies and the TV shows are 1 million percent canon, as canon as can be. Anything in the film, in the novelization adaptations, is considered canon as long as it's not contradicted by something in a movie or something else, right? Right. In the book, there's a, a scene that's not in the movie where Kylo and Snoke are talking to each other, and Snoke says something to Kylo to the effect of, what was the only mistake Darth Vader ever made? And Kylo's response is, turning back to the light side. So at that point, at least in the novelization, Kylo knows... And he doesn't view it as a positive. He views it as a weakness in Darth Vader. So, right, but if Snoke's the one to tell him, of course he's going to spin it as a weakness. If his mom was the one to tell him, you know, it would look more like, oh, well, your grandfather came around in the end. Yeah, no, I get that. And you have to assume that when the news broke and Kylo found out, I'm sure Luke was like, hold up, man, let me tell you the, the full story. You don't understand. So, you have to assume that Kylo had that information. It would only make sense that Kylo would have that information when he was seduced to the dark side by Snoke. I think, that's why I think it has to, that can definitely be part of the reason Kylo is so pissed off is because they hid that from him. But it definitely can't be the only thing that caused it. There, there has to be definitely more going on there. And in other ways that Snoke sort of got in and got under Kylo's skin and caused him to turn. That's just what I'm thinking, at least. Right. <clears throat> so you want to talk about some, some Han Solo pictures? Yeah, let's do the Han pictures. So, TMZ released today, in fact, some uh, some sneaky on-set pictures from the Han Solo movie. And to be honest, there is not a ton there. There's some cool stuff. It's a lot of pictures of vehicles and set dressings and, and things like that. There is, however, a picture, a full-on picture of uh, Alden Ehrenreich in costume as Han Solo. Yep. Now, when you look at the picture, there seems to be like a long black trench coat or something that's not part of the costume that is what they make them wear when they're not shooting scenes to try and hide the costume right but it's open and you can see like he's wearing kind what looks a, like a white silvery vest kind of thing yeah it's either a vest or a jacket i think there's another picture that shows him driving around in one of these speeders and uh he's not wearing that black covering garment and it looks like it is a vest and he is all dirty and like it looks like he just got done painting the fucking bathroom or something. It looks like he's got like a bruise on his face or a burn or something. Yeah, there's definitely something going on with the face. Um And to me his hair is super poofed out. So we were talking about that before and I I think it could be a matter of just the angle of the picture. It could also be sort of that way because he's driving around in one of these speeders. Yeah, and I've been the, riding in the speeder. The look you get at that speeder, man, that's a cool design for a fucking speeder, I think. Yeah, I think so too. To me, it reminds me of, and I'm sure this is what it's supposed to evoke, is like a muscle car. Yeah. 
Like it's even got like the engine block or whatever coming out of the hood, it looks like. Yep. And um, just in case anybody's looking at these and they're like, what's the deal with the fucking tires? Those things will be CG'd out. These are going to be speeders. Of course they guys. Will. All right. Um, and, you know, there's some stuff like in Bloodline where we find out that Han Solo basically became a professional racer, like a, a spaceship racer after, um, you know, the defeat of the Empire and stuff. And I'm wondering if we're going to see some of that in this movie. If we're going to see uh, him participating in some kind of, like, speeder races or something. That would be neat. It would be neat. It would be very George Lucas, which very I Very George. <clears throat> That's one of my favorite parts of Phantom of the Menace. You know, the 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 pod race. I love the fucking pod race, man. That to me that is fucking great. Yeah. The pod race game and the arcade game were tight. Yeah, so man. I love that. For everybody that wants to shit on the Phantom Menace, they gave us pod racing, which is badass. And they also gave us one of the best Star Wars games. And and it's not it's something that I didn't initially check out. I was like, eh, I'm not huge into racing games. And like, you know, I, I would you know, typically when it comes to Star Wars, like I want a very specific type of game. Like I, yeah. I like the flight simulator type games and yeah, more RPG type stuff. Um, but then when I checked it out, like I was like, damn, I was missing out. This is good. This is real good. Um, I'd be cool if pod racing showed up again at some point. Yeah, that's the one thing I was going to say is, while it would be cool, or while it's going to be cool if, if this is some sort of speeder races that we're seeing Han Solo participate in, um, I might be a little more stoked if he was participating in pod racing. I think right. that'd be kind of bad. Now it maybe it might be a race or a chase. Like maybe he's making off with the loot of something, you know. Yeah, that's like, true. That's true. Now, I could see why they may not want to put him in pod races and have another pod race scene necessarily. Right. Um, because they already did that, and why do that when you can do something different? That makes total sense to me. But I would like to see pod racing show up again in some capacity even as just like a background element or something i even think space race like a space race is cool the concept of racing from you know one system to another across you know solar system wide obstacles there's a there's like a two episode arc in the anime outlaw star about like a space race and i just always thought about how friggin neat it would be to see you know have the millennium falcon enter that space race to see how it would do yeah that's basically what han did after return of the jedi and then he became he he then became like basically someone that coached and helped um like kids and, and new racers come up in through the circuit and stuff like he had a team like a racing team he worked cool. for and stuff um that's before his Rathtar wrangling days yeah it's definitely before ben freaked out killed the Jedi, and then he and Le Leia sort of split up and he went back to his smuggler days. For sure, that's before. You know what they still haven't explained that I would like to see 
As far as I know, they haven't explained how he ended up losing the Falcon. Because he doesn't. He doesn't. Oh, my God. I forget. I used to know the line of secession. Uh, the Irving boys who stole it from okay. Duquesne. Who, yeah. and then uh, Duquesne stole it from him, right? Right. Duquesne stole it from Han. The Irving boys stole it from Duquesne. Uncar Plot took it from the Irving boys. Um, yeah. As far as I remember, he doesn't have the Falcon and Bloodline, which is about six years before The Force Awakens, six or seven years. But he still has it as of the Aftermath books, but those only take place like a year or two after, like in the the year or two after um, Return of the Jedi. So yeah, that's something I didn't think about is that they never, they haven't done that story yet, as far as I know. I hope I'm not wrong. We can get a mad-ass email again. Bunch of moof milkers. <laughs> moof milkers is so good. So, so good. So, um, what do you think? Uh, I mean, there's not really, I mean, how, we can't really, this is so visual, it's hard to really cover, but what do you think? I, I, you know, I think we've squeezed all the blood from that stone that we can, honestly, you know. Yeah. It's I some mean, really awesome pictures, awesome speeder bike, all in the air and like, looks awesome. Yeah, yeah, awesome designs and stuff, but not really a whole lot more to say. That's why I wasn't really concerned with saying spoilers on this, because it's like, yeah. You know, it's it's no story element. Not spoiling much. Han yeah. Solo's in a speeder at some point. Yeah, yeah, and and he looks pretty neat. And it looks like, so in the one for, like sort of full body shot we get, where you're talking about how the vest looks white or silver, in the yep. shot with him driving the speeder, to me that shit looks like a denim vest. Does it really? I mean, it just from the you know, the picture, cool. I doubt it is a, a denim vest. I'm cool with space denim. Hell yeah, Carbon. me too. Carbon fiber nano weave denim looking. Put a fucking stone cobra patch on the back of that bitch. Yep. All right. So you want to get to some emails and voice messages? Yes, please. Well, you know what I got to do. You know what I got to do. We got to we gotta ride the lightning. Ride that cock lightning. Yep. that was perfect (laughs) all right so um let's see what we got going this week guys first up 
It looks like we got a, a voice message from JD Fett. Um, if you guys remember last week when Kit Fisto, or as I like to call him now, Kit Gilmore. Is there anybody in there? Hello. <laughs> uh, he said that he was going to send JD Fett after our, uh, our buddy Soar's band team. And uh, I believe JD Fett has something to say about that. So, Hey there, how's and Will? This is your favorite redneck boy, JD Fett, checking in. Y'all, I did a job a couple of days ago for one Kit Fisto. Came down to my neck of the woods, and I was hanging up over on the holler, and he said, J.D. Fit, I need you to do a job for me. You gotta find Sora's Bandeem. And I said, oh yeah? I said, what you gonna pay me with? And he said, I'm gonna pay you with some natty ice. And I said, fuck you, you pay me with no natty ice. I tell you what I'm gonna do. You pay me with some PBRs up front, and then you can shoot on over to old Papaw Brimmer's farm and you can get a handle of his finest white lightning in the county and you can pay me that when the job's done. So I was fixing to get ready to go and as it turns out, old Soar's Bandine got wind of the fact that old J.D. Phipps coming for him and he went out into the galaxy. So I hopped in the old Slave 2 and another thing, Kit Fisto, Man, if you're going to get the Slave 2 and you're going to try to identify it, at least get it right. It's an 83 Olds Cutlass 442 with an Oldsmobile 350 rocket in it. Damn. I mean, what's so hard about that? So I get an old Slave 2 and I go out and I fly out to the galaxy far, far away. Now, wouldn't you know, old Mamaw came with me and she was keeping me company, nagging me the whole time, complaining and we ended up being chased by some Imperial TIE fighters. And we found this asteroid field. And I do mean asteroid field. And I get in this, I found this big old asteroid and landed in a hole. I get out of, the, I get out of my Slave 2. And I'm walking around. And I look at Mammal. And Mammal's like, J.D. Fett, this ground sure feels squishy. And I was like, yeah, it does, doesn't it? And walking around, all of a sudden, a big gust of wind came. And that wind smelled like shit. I mean, I don't know what the fuck. I was so confused, I, I nearly bowled over. And I said, wait a minute. This ain't no cave. And that's when I realized where I was. See, old J.D. Fett landed right inside of old Soar's Bandeem's butthole. Oh. So I done used my redneck ingenuity Cause as old Hank Jr. said Country boy can survive And I scraped up some of that old goo From from the ground there And I lit a fire Because I had run out of fuel So I lit the fire Next thing you know Old Soar's Bandeem He done farted again And boom fucking lit the thing up and shot the old slave two back to earth and i landed and shit i don't ever know what happened to source bandine but i'm a little bit concerned see that motherfucker's butthole so big that i was able to land my 83 olds cutlass 442 inside it so 
I don't know. I think Kit Fisto and fucking old cockhead Jedi himself, Kid D. Mundy, got some explaining to do, but I ain't going after that kid no more. That's a little too scary for me. And I think them Jedi Council members need to do some explaining on this here fucking podcast. All right, y'all, this is J.D. Fett. Check it out. J.D. Fett and the adventure and, 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 oh man, he, he, he threw me for a spiral there. He landed in he landed a giant in space butthole. butthole. <laughs> God, I hope no one ever tries to land a spaceship in my butthole. <sighs> giddy up, Soars, giddy up. All right, <laughs> next up we got... Uh, my buddy David, my new buddy David, who I met uh, in um, in Orlando. Very nice. At the Making Star Wars uh, party. He's Han Brolo on Twitter. Han Brolo. Hey, what's up, Blue Harvest? I gotta apologize, because this email has a lot of girth. First, congrats on making it to episode motherfucking 100. You guys are my Monday morning, and I salute you. Next, how about celebration? What a blast. And that MSW party, geez, that shit was hilarious and fun. It was great to meet Halls and Jesse. Celebration itself was such an amazing experience, especially coming from a dude who grew up in Oregon where everyone thought you were a loser because you fucking loved Star Wars. This was my first experience actually talking to other Star Wars fans, and it was amazing. Guys like Halls treated, like, treated me like they knew me for a long time, and we were an old friend and were incredible. Halls, you're my boy. And Jesse, she's a saint. And Will, well, hopefully we'll get drinks at the next one. Now, guys, two questions. That Jedi Temple burning in the trailer with Luke and R2. How do you feel about going back to the Force back and potentially diving deeper into that vision? How do you feel about that, Will? Do we know for sure that that's a Jedi Temple that's burning in that flashback? I mean, we don't know that for sure, but I think, I mean, unless they're doing some shenanigans, I think that's the most obvious explanation. Because okay. just the way it's set up, it looks like Luke is wearing the same thing we saw him wearing in that flashback in The Force Awakens. He's standing on the same side as R2. And in The Force Awakens, when you see him kneel next to R2 and put his hand on his dome, there's very clearly fire going on off screen. If judging by the lightning, or not lightning, the lighting, so I think it only makes sense. Um, yeah, I'd love to see what those force flashbacks were all about. I'd love that. Yeah, I'm I'm all for any more explanation of what was going on there, um, and obviously I want to know more about what Luke was up to and what happened in between six and seven. So I'm. All about if they want to give us more force flashbacks and f flesh that out, I'm all about that. I want the puzzle pieces to start to come together, and and at the end of the day, I want when the puzzle is completely together for these three movies to all make sense together. And I don't know if that's necessarily. You would think they have to. I mean, you would think, but that's not always necessarily the case, especially when. You know, all three movies are being written by different people with different objectives and ideas and being directed by three different people with objectives and ideas. But you hope that with having the story group in place that they're going to be, like, guiding it so it all connects. I'm, You know, right. I'm just trying to keep my mind open 
and 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 not get too hinged on that everything will be filled in 100% and line up just perfectly, you know? Yeah. Second, Ryan Johnson. Kathleen Kenny, Kennedy has talked very, very highly of him. If he kills The Last Jedi, which I think he will, and has the potential to be the best part of the saga, would you guys want to see him take the reins of another Star Wars film? Or better yet, would you want to see him handle a whole trilogy? Or do you want the collaborative effort? Thanks, guys. Love the content, and may the Force be with you. David from Oregon, a.k.a. Han Brolo. Um, so, I'm with him. I'm getting a real positive vibe about um, Ryan Johnson. And I know I do this every time, or for the most part every time, when a new Star Wars comes out. I'm like, oh, this could be it. This could be the best one yet. But more and more that I see interviews with him and the little bits and pieces, you know, that we hear about The Last Jedi and that we see, it's getting me real excited. And it makes me think that it's going to be something special, even if it's not, you know, at the end of the day, if I don't end up liking it better than, say, Empire Strikes Back. Um, as far as him coming back, I would love it. Like, especially if he does a really good job on this. Um in, in the prospect of him handling a whole trilogy, let's say they do um, you know, a sequel sequel to the sequel trilogy, episodes uh, 10, 11, 12. Right. I, I assume that's a, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> I think so, too. It's just a question of how long after episode 9 we have to wait for that to kick off. In my mind, that's the only question. To me, I think... Of course they're going to do it. It's just a matter of how long it takes them to do it. Uh, but uh, on one hand, I like the idea of one director sort of handling the entire an entire trilogy. And I, I'm not going to lie. I really wanted J.J. Abrams to do 8 and 9 as well because I'm such a big J.J. Abrams guy. Um, at the end of the day, I think it might work out in its favor, though, where we get... Kind of like how, you know, in the original trilogy, it doesn't ever feel like they're just doing the same movie they did before. Each movie no. has its own. And you could really say that for the prequel trilogy, too, when you think about it. But there's differences. There's, to me, the the three original trilogy movies have more different... It's going to be hard for me to explain without sounding like an idiot. But each no, of no, those no. movies... I know exactly what you're saying, because... The the original <laughs> movies they're the same. They're the same characters, but you know each movie has its own feel. And as those characters progress and grow, you know each each movie takes on its own persona. And I believe that's because you have different directors. And the prequel trilogies they all they're not on the same tone, but they definitely have that George that George string that they follow. Yeah. Now. And I mean, I understand bringing the same director for, you know, a, a trilogy. I, I am. I know you run the risk of something bad happening, but I'm a fan of having different directors, three different directors for the for the three different movies in a trilogy. I think that gives life and depth and dynamic to a trilogy in a way that. You know, somebody that wants some somebody that may have the same uh, outlook on it 
may not approach the trilogy the same way. Right. Like, I don't think that The Last Jedi would probably be anything like it's going to turn out to be if J.J. Abrams just continued it. Right. So I like the fresh perspective per movie. But like I said, I think there are some benefits to having the same. What I would like to see in a perfect world, let's say Ryan Johnson knocks it out of the park. The movie is amazing. They're like, we got to get him for more Star Wars. He says, I don't want to do a sequel trilogy. I don't want to do a standalone movie necessarily with an established character. If they were to give Ryan Johnson the opportunity to create his own trilogy in an unexplored area of the Star Wars timeline. It's like you just read my mind. So, like, let's say they gave him the Old Republic timeline. Now, I'm right. not saying I want to see R- uh, Ryan Johnson adapt the story of Revan and Malgus no, no, no. and Nihilus. New, you know, if, if they want to use some of those characters or retool some of those characters to fit and stuff, I'm down with that. But if they just gave him the keys and said, do something cool, do something weird, you know, I don't know that they would say do something weird, but... Do something fresh, <clears throat> do something reverent. And it's not tied to any previous stories or any previous right. characters, and they just let him go wild with it. Yeah. I think that prospect could be really cool. I agree. Really I was going to cool. ask you, name directors that you would like to have a Star Wars trilogy, not necessarily the numeral, numeralized canon. And I was going to say Guillermo del Toro. I think that would be cool. I think to see yeah. a Guillermo del Toro... Um, trilogy, not necessarily of Luke Skywalker or you know seven, eight, nine. None, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, would like to see you know at, at any point in in the in the timeline, like you said, Guillermo del Toro is one of those guys who I would definitely love to see do a Star Wars movie. The thing is, is the I am not sure exactly what elements of Star Wars. He would be interested in exploring like one time in an interview. And I don't know if this was a joke or if he was serious. He said he wanted to do a Jedi or not a Jedi, a Jabba spinoff movie. And I don't know that I'm necessarily, I I say this now, but I'm, you know, I could probably get into it, but I don't really know that I'm interested in a whole movie of Jabba. Maybe not Jabba, but like a film noir heist movie centered around Jabba hires a crew. Hires a crew, like, mm-hmm. I think that might be kind of neat. Yeah, I mean, it could be. It could be really cool. There's no doubt about it. That um, second Hellboy movie kicked ass. I, I mean, the love... first one was good, too. Yeah, I, the the second movie is, to me, another great example of a, a sequel that really amped it up and, and amplified certain elements of the first movie in a really good way. I like both a lot, but... The fantastic Pan's labyrinth was great. Yeah, and and Pacific Rim was good. It, when I first saw Pacific Rim and I left the theater, I was like, "That was fucking amazing." I can't wait until they do a sequel. For the record, I'm still really excited about the sequel. But then a little thing called the Disney buyout of Star Wars happened, and I was like, "Pacific what? Giant robots and what?" I watched Pacific Rim again, and there's, it's there's a hefty amount of cheese. Like yeah, but not that's be lactose intolerant. That's Guillermo del Toro too. That that's a very, you right. know, Guillermo del Toro thing. Like to me, Guillermo del Toro is kind of a weird guy in the way that George Lucas is kind of a weird guy. True. Um, 
not in the exact same way, you know. No, I like, know what you're saying. But, but I, where I like think that's why he popped into my mind. Right, where as like someone. Yeah, yeah. It, where George, there's definitely thing George is very obsessed or fascinated with, you know, the Joseph Campbell heroes myth, like '50s racing culture, World War II, things like that. George is really, uh, you know, really into. Guillermo's out uh, is like that, but he's into like classic horror and really all types of horror gothic horror and fantasy yeah and stuff like that so you know <clears throat> i think a guillermo del toro movie could be badass but i don't know that i want to see like he said he basically wanted to make the godfather of star wars but about job of the hut yeah, yeah i don't know how interested i'm in in, in that but i would I, definitely check it out given you know who was for some it. reason the Odan Ur stuff screams Guillermo del Toro to me. The Exarcoon and the Keldroma stuff. I I think that's very Guillermo del Toro. And he could do a lot with that. Yeah, see, that's another one of those things where I don't even necessarily think I want to see those directly adapted. If they let him do a weird origin I, and of like the I said, force. Like, I don't you know, I don't need that either verbatim, but for something about that style of tale of the Je ancient Jedi, like I guess is what I was saying. Yeah, and, and see, that's the thing is, if he said, and if he was serious that he wanted to to do a Jabba movie, I don't know that Guillermo del Toro would necessarily even be interested in a Jedi centric movie. I would see him yeah. being more interested in the weird and alien type stories yeah. you could tell in Star Wars. Right. But what do I know? You give the man enough money. You can probably get him to do just about anything. Gu Unfortunately, Guillermo del Toro kind of needs a hit. Like, um, right, he's in a slump. Like, Pacific Rim didn't do terribly. It didn't ignite the world on fire, so much so that it actually took quite a bit of effort to get it off the ground. And he, uh, Pacific Rim 2, I'm talking about. And he's not even directing it. Like, he's producing it, but he's not directing it. Um, Could you deal with a Joss Whedon? Star Wars trilogy? Um, see, this is the thing. In a world where we're going to get, you know, a Star Wars movie every year, I kind of want to see what almost, and I say almost, because you got to cut out people like Michael Bay and Zack Snyder. I want to see about <laughs> see what a, just about anybody has to offer with Star Wars. Right. I'm not going to lie. The prospect of a Joss Whedon Star Wars movie doesn't super excite me. And I know that's weird because I'm, I'm a huge Buffy. I kind of thought you'd say that. I'm a huge Buffy fan, and I'm a pretty big Firefly fan. But Didn't I, he do the Avengers? He did the Avengers 1 and 2. Yep. And I kind of feel like I've already seen Joss Whedon's take on Star Wars in Firefly. And in Serenity. You know, uh, but given... And it's all hinges on the the star wars that they're going to tackle like would i be interested in joss whedon doing a, the young han solo movie like absolutely actually not really yeah because i kind of feel like i've already seen him do that yeah no I, I feel you um would i be interested in him doing you know something else like i said it really just depends um what's a director that you would want to see you know, 
somebody brought this up when I was on the Steel Wars call-in show last time. Um, and, and specifically talked about Del Toro. Um, and it's a tough question for me because they already got my number one pick out of the way right off the gate. Right. Like, they did J.J. I'm not a guy who knows, you know, a ton of directors, necessarily. Like, I'll become familiar with them, um, you know, once they've done something I like or a couple of movies I like and stuff. Uh, I would have never picked Ryan Johnson, even though I liked Looper beforehand, before he was announced. Looper was a movie I was into. Uh, it's just, I'm not good. I'm not one of those people that's good at picking directors or or you know predicting directors and i've i've tried to think about it since uh that episode of the call-in show and there's not necessarily someone that comes to mind is there one for you um no i mean we've already talked about the ones that i had in mind basically i mean yeah like del toro i would be interested in but once again it depends on what he's gonna do um, you know, and then like, I would love to see a James Gunn Star Wars movie, but once again, I kind of have already seen him do his take on Star Wars with the two guardians of the galaxy movies. Right. Um, the Russo brothers who did such a good job with the two Captain awesome. America movies and are doing, um, you know, the next two Avengers movies. I would like to see what they would do in Star Wars, but I get the feeling they're wrapped up in Marvel, and after their run at Marvel, I you know they're probably going to want a break. They've been hit hard. What are the Stranger Things brothers? Oh, I can't. Now that could be cool. That could That's be cool. I would, that I would like to see that. And the reason I say that the directors that I enjoy the most are the ones that develop characters hardcore, yeah. or like you know, action is great. And plot twists are awesome, but none of that means shit without good quality character development. In Absolutely. My Absolutely. So you want to move on to the next email? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, we did that one big time. Oh, that's all good. That was for you, Han Brolo. Buddy, buddy. All righty. So next up, we got an email from our buddy, Neil. All's and well, thank you once again for continuing to provide excellent content week in and week out. I was perusing the Star Wars Underworld website today, and there is an 8-bit recreation of the Last Jedi trailer, and I thought it was super creative, and director Ryan Johnson even tweeted about it. Anyway, I just wanted to give you a heads up on that so you could share it with our fellow moisture farmers, your friend in the force, Neil. Have you seen that, Will? Have you seen the 8-bit trailer? I have. I've seen it. Pretty neat, right? It's pretty neat. Reminds me of Super Nintendo. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because that was the first thing I thought when I saw that was sort of retro throwback gaming is in now, especially in the indie gaming scene. Like there's a lot of really good games that do like the pixel art for lack of, you know, 16-bit graphic style. Like Stardew Valley, a game I was fucking obsessed with for a couple of months. Looks like a Super Nintendo game. Things yeah. like Hyperlight Drifter and I'll know. be honest with you, I'm on Pinterest a lot, and a lot of the artist graphic design people do a lot of uh there's a lot of gifts on there of pixelated 
characters and you know um attacks and things like that like like if you were making a fighting game the different characters and how they move and how they attack right right it's it's way in why hasn't ea or someone like do you know how stoked i would have been if they put out on xbox live or the playstation network or steam any of these online services a retro throwback super star wars the force awakens that would have been so fucking cool yeah i can venture a guess but i mean i don't know my guess is that it's a neat they consider it a niche market you know it's really older gamers that that really appeals to you know and maybe the minecraft crowd which is fairly young but you know i i don't know that a lot of young gamers now appreciate uh, NES games or or even know anything about Super Nintendo games or Sega games. You know, I think... I, see, I, I, I actually... I think the game company is assuming it would be a waste of resources. I mean, and it could be. And it could be something that people just weren't interested in. But I I still think... And, and I understand the desire not to want to do movie adaptation games because they're never really good. But in all reality, when you look at those... Star Wars, Super Star Wars games and stuff, they're movie ad- adaptations in the very least definition of the word. Like the They got level- characters that coincide and levels that go in. Yeah, but like you're doing shit that's not in the movies. And it doesn't, right. it doesn't bother me because it's just like a fun Star Wars game. I'm playing as Luke, Han, Chewie, Leia, you know, whoever they give me control of in the level, right? Right. And I think you might be a little mistaken that the younger crowd doesn't necessarily care or that there's not the audience there because... I would be happy if that's the case. Because, like, Minecraft is is a perfect example. Like, the game looks like straight-up doo-doo graphically, but But man, was it successful. But you three-dimensional worlds with it. Right. You know, like, yeah, it's got terrible graphics, but... Once uh, again, like, Super Meat Boy huge success uh stardew valley huge success and i'm in i'm by no means listing them all there's a ton of these sort of retro throwback indie games that are hugely successful i i totally agree i think they're in their their appropriate market i don't like i don't think a big boy like ea or dice or you know bungie i don't think they're gonna go the pixel i think they're leaving that for indie games to conquer yeah yeah i mean i i just think it would it, and maybe it just cool. hasn't happened yet you know maybe maybe that keeps getting shot down in boardrooms and that guy is doing it all himself just wait just wait till i can release 8-bit star wars it's gonna love it. it's gonna sell yeah. a million copies in the xbox store all right so next up yeah could be Next up, we got our buddy Chris. Hey, Halls or Halls and Will. I've been catching up on Blue Harvest and other favorite podcasts over the last week or so after being in the field for a month. It's been great to hear all about the celebration shenanigans. I love the word shenanigans. My speculation on Ray's parentage is inspired by Richie from Boston's email that was read on episode 99. I'm on the fence about Ray being Luke's daughter. Mostly, I want it to be true, but sometimes I want the story group to come up with something more original. 
If she is the ma daughter of Master Jedi Luke Skywalker, this is the only way I can see it being true. Uh-oh, we're about to get a Ray theory. Luke, while building the new Jedi Order, fell in love with one of his students like he did in the Legends comic series Dark Empire. They get married, or not, and have a child together, in a Ray. While Luke is away from the new Jedi Order searching for the, just, the first Jedi Temple and can't be reached easily by Holocom, Ray's mom senses the imminent destruction of the Jedi Order and goes to drop their child off on Jakku. Why, why with Ankar Palat? I don't know. In order to spare her child from almost certain death and returns to face the threat to the Jedi head on. Ray's mom dies defending the temple from Ben Solo's assault. This is when Luke returns due to feeling a disturbance in the Force, and we see him kneeling in the dark, hand on R2, and watching his Jedi Order turn to ash in Rey's Force back. He can only assume his wife and child are now one with the Force, and decides to go into self-imposed exile on Octu out of grief and shame. <clears throat> I may have brought this theory up a time before on this or another podcast, but it's the only way I can make the Luke and Ray father-daughter connection with the information we have and without making it seem like a dead like without making Luke seem like a deadbeat dad. I appreciate your thoughts, Chris. So that see that's the thing. If Luke is going to be Ray's daughter, they got to explain it in a way that doesn't just make you hate Luke for abandoning this poor kid with Uncar Plutt. And that is to me the really in some form or fashion the way Chris laid it out could be the only explanation that would make that work is that Luke believed her to be dead. Now that also to me sort of opens up some questions about Luke's connection to the force. Wouldn't he have felt his, you know, wife and daughter die? Was he so overcome by grief when the Jedi order just got de destroyed that he didn't feel it or couldn't process it all? You know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, the the words of Maz Kanata are what stick with me most. And, you know, because that's really all I have to go on. But, you know, when she's like, um, yeah, I see your eyes. You already know the truth. Whomever you're waiting for on Jakku, they're never coming back. But there's someone who still could. And then Ray says Luke. And Maz is like, the belonging you seek is behind you is not behind you it's ahead right you know and i don't that's just i mean I, I know it's supposed to be ambiguous but see that's the thing part of that scene also makes me go the other way where she says your parents or is it your parents or your family i can't Whomever remember you're waiting for well no she says they're never coming back right so that makes, I mean, I don't know. I guess there's some wiggle room where, like, yeah, if Luke's her dad and he thinks she's dead, then, yeah, he's never coming back because he doesn't know to come back. Right. But so how could someone point. so strong in the Force not reach out and feel that? Yeah, and, and, you know, there's also some things about the Force that, like, you know, the movie's called The Force Awakens, and is that the Force in general? Like, as a whole, does is the Force dormant and it awakened with the appearance of Rey? Well, the awakening was so strong that Snoke felt it. 
Right. And and Ben Solo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm still of the belief that the Force Awakens when Ray in within Ray when she pilots the Falcon off of Jakku. I think that's the awakening moment. Um for her. And then JJ, I believe in the commentary for The Force Awakens, said that The Force Awakens in Rey and in Kylo. So was Luke, like when the Jedi Order di- got destroyed, was Luke cut off from the Force in some capacity and that's why he didn't feel it? I don't know, man. Awesome. It's, I'm excited to find out. Me too. All right, so next up we got our buddy Ollie, and he has some things to say about Mustafar. Good more, good morrow, Halls and Wilf. Should I found us feel like we're in a fancy medieval tavern? Huzzah! Mm-hmm. Was just thinking about your conversation on rebels calling Mustafar where Jedi go to die. I think you're being a little too literal. Remember, it's not knowledge that Vader is Anakin. So as far as rumors go, maybe it's just rumor that the famous war hero Anakin Skywalker went to Mustafar and never returned, and now a powerful Sith Lord lives there. It could just be that simple. Interested in hearing your du- hearing you direct it some more. Your pal, Ollie. I think that's a good point. That is a good point. Um, well, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin went there and were never heard from again. Good point. Good point. Yeah, I don't know that the general population or more than just a handful of people know that Obi-Wan went there, though. Because, you know, he stowed away on uh, Padme's ship. and Right. I, I kind of get the feeling that the only people that might know that would be Obi-Wan, Bail Organa, and Yoda. In that same vein, though, who would know that Anakin went? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Dispatched um, in secret to destroy the Confederacy. So, there's a couple of things. There's a storyline in the Clone Wars, and I'm going to try and recount it as best as possible. I've actually been re-watching Clone Wars recently, but I haven't gotten up to these episodes, where they're basically kidnapping younglings for Palpatine, and I believe they're taking them to Mustafar to do, like, I don't know, like, experiments and... And evil shit too, right? Star killer, uh, kind of. Uh, oh God, uh, what are what are his apprentices called in Rebels? Not Rebels. Um. Oh yeah, Rebels. Inquisitors. Inquisitors. Star killer type Inquisitor. You know perversions. Yeah, or something like that. And uh, you know, the fact that Vader has a castle. I just for some reason, and I can't necessarily quote where i got this from it may have been off of another podcast like now this is podcasting or something and they were just shooting the shit and speculating but i feel like it's kind of been established that like jedi were taken before vader there at his you know his residence but i can't say that for sure so it could i mean he could be right and it could just be simply that that's why it's where Jedi go to die. I just don't know why that would become so widespread to where like Kanan and Hera know this. So, you know, I don't know. All right. So we got a little something weird going on, Will. We got Uh-oh. two voicemails and an email left. And the two voicemails we have 
both claim to be from Soar's Bandim. Uh-oh. But they're from two different email addresses. So either he's way off the grid or there's some shenanigans going on. So let's let's check it out. Something tells me we can place the, the fake. This is Soar's Bandim. Calling Blue Harvest to try to clear the air on some fucking bullshit that's been happening lately. Some fucking imposter has been calling your show, trying to, trying to ruin the reputation of two fine Jedi Masters, Kit Fisto and Key Adi Mondi. Let me tell you something. This fucking bastard doesn't know the first thing about either of those fine gentlemen. Kit Fisto and myself both survived Order 66. Later on in life, I met Kit Fisto on the lower levels of Coruscant. He was an actor participating in some dude-on-dude Nautilin pornography. And let me tell you, we got close. I became his personal fluffer. So anytime somebody talks poorly about Kid Fisto or my friend Kiyadi Mondi, my knickers get up in a gigantic fucking twist. So whoever this piece of shit fake source band team is, you better watch yourself, you fucking mug. Okay. Okay. For the sake of argument, we're going to call this gentleman uh, Soros Van Deem version 2.0. <laughs> Some, and did you notice that at the beginning of that voicemail, he sounded kind of like an angry Arnold Schwarzenegger? I did. Fucking did. bullshit. Um, now, I'm not saying that he's not the real Soros Van Deem. Maybe the guy calling in, you know, the guy leaving us messages this whole time has been the fake. But this the, version 2.0 is not... Uh, who has been calling in regularly? No, no, that and you know what? I think maybe JD flew his ship up the wrong space butthole. The wrong butthole. <laughs> oh. mm. This is a, this is complicated. All right, well, let's see what I'm gonna call the Soros Bandim that has been leaving us messages for a couple of months now. He's the real Soar's Bandeem to me. So, okay. That's what I'll refer to him. Let's see what the quote-unquote real Soar... Let's, let's try to figure this out. Let's get our detective caps on, buddy. Hello. This is Soar's Bandeem. And I'm back. Now, this week, I've had to deal with an imposter. Someone who had the bloody cheek to go by the name of Real Source Bandeem. Now you all know there's only one Source Bandeem and ain't this fucking mug. You might have seen us cross sabers on something you lot call Twitter. I had to rattle this soppy tart's cage a bit 
to find out who they were. It turns out that it's none other than Kiyadi Mundy. Now, I'm not surprised this fucking poser pulled this stunt, but I've got your number now, Kiyadi, and I won't be letting this one go. What was that? Oh, fucking hell. Hang on a sec, hang on. Martha! 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 <laughs> God's sake, she fucking deaf. Martha! What do you mean, what? The fucking cat's in here again. No, no, you come and do it. You come and sort it out. What do you mean, you're busy? What the fuck do you think I'm doing? Oh, if you want something doing, you ought to do it your bloody self. She's seen this cat in the street and taken pity on it. And now it's living with the pair of us. But it's a fucking liability. I mean, who takes in a giant fucking loft cat into their gaffe? Eh? I mean, oh, God, there's, no, there's just no living with it. Right. Oi. Oi. Mr. Cuddles. Mr. Cuddles. Come here. No, no, no. C come down. No. Get, get off the drapes. Get off the fucking drapes. Mr. Cuddles, come on. Come here. Come here. Mr. Cuddles. Oi, 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 oi. Don't, don't you fucking start. Oi. Now, now you listen. You listen. You're a big lads. But I'll do this for a living, son. So don't fucking push your luck. Now, come on. No. Oh, Jesus. Fuck it. No. No, get off me. <laughs> oh, you fucking prick. I'm going to kill you when I get hold of you, Mr. Cuddles. Don't do it. Back. Get back. Oh, you fucking wanker. Don't even think about it, Mr. Cuddles. Mr. Cuddles, I ain't joking, you son. I ain't joking. Right, that's it. Right. Get the fuck out. I fucking hate that cat. <laughs> right. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Kitty Monday and Kit Fisto. Now, when I was a wee lad, I used to say, to my old man. Dad, I hate this and I hate that. And he'd say, son, you don't hate those things. If you really hated those things, you'd set aside a little bit of time every day to thinking about how much you hate that thing. Well, guess what, boys and girls? I dedicate a little bit of time every day to hating Kia D Mundy and Kit Fisto, a.k.a. the cock-flavoured lollipop and the fern-loving freak. That's enough from me for one week. 
I'll leave you to it. Ta-ra, you bunch of mugs. Guys, that's the real Sores Van Deem. I just like the fact that Sores Van Deem has a cat named Mr. Cuddles. Okay, so there's a couple of things we need to unpack. First off, is it possible that Kia D and Kit Fisto hired a Sores impersonator to try and sully his good name on our show? I think it might be. It's possible. Secondly, Sores did not mention having a spaceship fly up his butthole, so... I think JD went up the wrong space bunghole. I think I think, can... I think we've got a, a case of mistaken butthole. <laughs> We're going to have to get uh, a lineup going of different space buttholes and have JD Fett pick them out of the lineup. Squishiness. Okay. So yes, apparently Soars has a pet loft cat named Mr. Cuddles, which, I mean, living with a surly bastard like Soars, you could see why that cat's so pissed off. Secondly... Soars is either shacking up or married to a lady named Martha. Interesting little insight to his personal life that we didn't get to know before. And if he ever sees two superheroes fighting, all he has to do to make them stop is scream his wife's name. Fuck you, Zack Snyder. Dummy. The real Zack Snyder haters fan club will get that one. All right. Right. <laughs> so next up, we've got uh, King Tom. He's our last email of the night. <clears throat> and his email is titled, Going Back to the Beginning. Hey, Halls and Will. As is my custom during st- slow Star Wars times, I go back and man, reread old, star- old stuff. <clears throat> during lunch today, I was looking through Rensler's making of Star Wars. Since the Disney purchase, they've used a lot of old unused art concepts, and even some plot points, too. When George first started writing Star Wars, one of the first things he did was make a list of names for characters and locations. Some of these he used, others he didn't. So I wanted to get your opinion. These are some names from the list and the earlier drafts of Star Wars. Do you think any of these could make good Star Wars-type names these days? Do you want to go through these one by one with me, Will? Sure. Xenos. Um, personally, I don't like that one because it's a little too sci-fi sounding. It sounds too ancient to me. Um, C.J. Thorpe. Mm. Maybe. Maybe, but not as like a main character as like Officer C.J. Thorpe or X-Wing Pilot C.J. Thorpe. I could see that. Ford Xerxes. Mm, no not a huge one not a huge one of that one um kane i do like kane and i think that's from reading earlier star wars drafts where there was kane star killer and kane skywalker and stuff i do like kane yeah crispin uh i don't like crispin because it makes me think of crispin glover what about you weird weird hodak actually like that one yeah, that one makes a good alien name to me. Montrose. Mm, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I can get behind it. Gordon, and apparently this was a planet. Gordon is not a good planet name to me. Like Ramsey? Yeah. Uh, no, no. Where are you headed? I'm headed to Gordon. To Gordon, yeah, it's a planet. Gordon system. 
Gordon's not a system. It's maybe a if it were like Gordon or like I don't know if it it just not Gordon. Um, Norton two or Norton the second. See, Norton's another one I'm not a huge fan of as as far as a Star Wars. Maybe fan. as a droid. Okay, yeah, I could see Norton being sort of a a nickname for a droid since droids almost, typically have like almost. You know, Two on the nose because Norton is an antivirus software. Right, right. But but I can you know I could name a, a droid Norton. As a bonus, another name intended for later in the saga, Bunden DeBannon, or Buffy for short. Is that Star Wars enough? I'm telling you right now, I couldn't get past like if there was a character named Buffy in Star Wars at this point, I'd be like, mm, I've already got the Buffy I need, my friend. What if it was like Boofy? Boofy. <laughs> yeah, still not. Now, Bundan, DeBannon, that's not half bad. Yeah, Short... You know what? I don't like them together. But if you separated them, yeah, yeah. I could get down to that. Something about them together just sounds. Bundan, DeBannon. I could deal with a character named Bundan, and I could deal with a character named DeBannon. And then he says, do you know what character Buffy became? And I don't, and that makes me wonder if King Tom knows and he's holding out on us. What are, you, what are you talking about? Character Buffy became like, as in, like, do you know what character? Like, <clears throat> you know, like Kane Skywalker, you know, or Star Killer, you know, went through the changes and eventually became a character, and like in the process of refining Star Wars, oh, characters' names changed and and were moved around and stuff. Yeah, I don't know, Bundan DeBannon. I don't know who that became. I wonder if that was... Could that have been like a... An early Han Solo? Uh, I, I don't know. Orlando. <laughs> I just typed... I just searched Bundan DeBannon on Google. And it came up with... Did you mean Burden Lebanon? <laughs> not precisely. No. No, that's not what I was going for. Um... I wonder if King Tom knows and he's just holding out and seeing if I know. Is he like, yeah, do you know this? Fucking beard of knowledge, my dick. Uh, <laughs> All right. Who knows? Who knows? I can't sit here and try to figure it out all night, unfortunately. Bundan to Bannon. Interesting. Just wanted to throw a few things your way. Thanks for reading your pal, King Tom. And thanks for sending it in. I love those making of books by uh, Rensler, man. I love the minutia. And in the Empire Strikes Back one and the Return of the Jedi one are both excellent. But that first one, the making of Star Wars, is so good because all of the early drafts of Star Wars really fucking fascinate me. And the evolution of how it got from the first drafts, which are wildly different, uh, to the final product. Um, and there's there's some of that with the preceding movies, too. There's definitely a really weird Empire Strikes Back draft by Lee Brackett. They had this weird scene where Luke basically was having... Like, he was up in space, and there's, like, stars all around him. And something they kind of recreated in Rebels at one point when uh, Ezra found his kyber crystal. 
in that first episode they did with Frank Yaz, uh, Frank Yaz, Frank Oz as Yoda. Frank Yaz. Frank Yaz. What's up, y'alls? Eh, not much. Going to voice Yoda. Can't tell you about it. Um, there's something uh, that I got recently that I want to lend you next time we see each other, and then we'll talk about it on the podcast. Something I've actually been discussing with Richie. Um, back towards the end of the Dark Horse era of Star Wars comics, they released The Star Wars, which was a comic adaptation of one of the early drafts of Star Wars. So, oh, wow. So it's got like Kane Starkiller and, and all that stuff in it. Um, that sounds awesome. And they did a, a really cool... I, I was at... Uh, you know what Second and Charles is here in Birmingham, that used uh, bookstore? Yeah. I was there and they had a, a hardcover copy of the graphic novel for pretty cheap. So I picked it up. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. But uh, once I get to read it and then pass it on to you to read, we should talk about it. It's pretty interesting. Fucking A. But I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks for recording with me, buddy. Oh, you know, I love it. It's one of my favorite things in the world. Oh, yeah. In the galaxy. So, something to keep in mind is next week is the 40th anniversary of Star Wars. The actual 40th anniversary. So, are we in for some surprises next week? Will we get some cool Last Jedi stuff sometime next week to celebrate the 40th anniversary? Boy, I sure hope so. We might. It would be a real cool way to do that, I think. It would be really cool. So, uh, yeah, keep your your eyes out for that, guys. And um, we'll see you next week. If you like our Star Wars podcast award-winning theme song, please support the band that was kind enough to donate the music to us. They are Stoned Cobra, and you can find them on iTunes, on Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. And uh, that's it. We'll see you next week, guys. For Blue Harvest, I'm Falls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us. <laughs> <laughs>